With me on front page today is Yiswari Palansami, senior correspondent at the Malay Mail. Good morning, Yiswari. Good morning, Jasmine. The government is looking into ways to resolve Malaysia Airlines' financial conundrum with several options mm-hmm. on the table, including shutting down the national carrier. But our Prime Minister says that the matter is still being discussed following heavy losses sustained by Malaysian Airlines since it was privatized in 2014. He was commenting on suggestions by several experts on the need to sell or shut down MAS. He said, to me, it is a serious matter. You know, we will nevertheless study whether we should shut it down, sell it off, or refinance it. Now, Iswari, in your opinion, is it necessary to retain MAS amid the unprofitability of the airline? You see, it it depends. If you've already put one foot in, um, you should go all the way till the end. You see, airlines are known to be a notoriously brutal business. It's not easy. It's extremely competitive. There are more downs than ups a lot of the times. Mars is is an international brand. It's our national flag carrier. So you need someone with really good creativity in turning around business and uh, somebody with really good discipline in managing a big corporation like Mars. I would say... No, we should not shut down Mars because uh, Mars is not the first airline to actually go into some sort of a crisis. There are many airlines that have faced their fair share of trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Southwest Airlines and it turned around and it was making profit year after year. And then you have, well, the, the most famous story that we've heard is of Japan Airlines. So how did these airlines do? You know, they were they were really in a very, very terrible situation at that time. But now, they're so much better, so, so much better. So you need the right set of skills. You need the right person to do the job. And for that person to actually do their job, there should not be much government intervention. Right. You know, government intervention is not necessary all the time. If you privatize it, then let the private sector discipline do its thing. Right, but you so, know, they've yeah. brought in so many different characters to try and turn mass around through the years and nothing's yeah. kind of transpired from that. So is there any industry rumor as to who this next person could be? Well, the fact that the government has not decided on what to do with mass as yet, you know, mm-hmm. two days ago, if I'm not mistaken, Finance Minister Lim Guaning said that, uh, no, no, Prime Minister did not say he wants to sell mass off. After all, the, the airline was privatized in his era. Yes. So, well, I can tell that the government is seeking solutions because Mars has given a lot of people a lot of memories, you know. Um, is that enough, though, to keep it going despite, you know, all the losses? I guess sometimes it can be worth it, but Mars itself, I think, I think we should not just give up on Mars as yet. It's just that, you know, the way I look at it, there's been like probably a series of bad decisions made over the years. I mean, at one point, the guy who turned over Aaron Lingus was, you know, trying to turn around Mars. But, you know, there was possibly alleged political interference and which led him to finally leave. Uh, Well, these are allegations. So, which is why I'm saying that there should not be any political intervention, especially from people who do not know how to operate the airline industry. That's definitely going to be very bad. Okay. When we come back, um, there has been a two-wheel nightmare for DBKL. Uh, We're talking about those yellow bicycles from O-Bike. We'll be discussing that with Yiswari next on Light.
With me on front page is Yiswari Palansami, senior correspondent at Malay Mail. Thousands of yellow bicycles belonging to O-Bike, Malaysia's in Riberhat, are piling up in the already crowded DBKL depots, taking up much-needed space in the city pounds. It's a mountain of bro- broken bicycles, all right? And this is not the vision the city was expecting. In fact, the dream of the city, with fewer cars hogging the streets and more people using public transportation, was um, what made O-Bike, you know, something that was thought to be feasible. So this is giving Kuala Lumpur Mayor Datuk Nur Hisham Ahmad Dahlan a big headache. Now, uh, Yeswari, is this due to the fall of the company or the public apathy? I wouldn't say it's so much of a mistake. I would say it boils down to attitude, a lot of carelessness. As aptly pointed out by the writer of the story, the the O-Bike, and I was wondering as to how the O-Bike operations were when they first started here in Malaysia. They didn't really have a proper docking system. Like, you can just leave the bicycle anywhere you like. And that's where the problem starts. I think <laughs> I think the, the business owners had probably very good impression about uh, Malaysians in general in terms of, you know, uh, how we, how we treat public facilities. Yeah. yeah, how we treat public facilities. Not, not, unfortunately, not everyone uh, is, is as civilized. And that is what led to the, you know, vandalism and, you know, all sorts of brutal things which we saw happening to, you know, the, the bicycles. So I think there was, there was no proper mechanism a proper safety or security mechanism to monitor as to where people, um, you know, dock the bicycles and, you know, even actually until now, I'm still a little confused as to how the whole thing started and how was the business model, how, you know, what was the business model actually? So I think, um, well, in short, I think people just had very good impression about Malaysians in general and, uh, well, apparently it, it, it isn't so. We're falling so, short, yeah. okay. So now yeah. DBKL are giving um, the company till, I think, the end of the month or the end of April. Um, April, yeah. The end of April, yeah, to, to either yeah. sort this out or to, or that they will actually destroy these bikes for scrap metal. Is DBKL correct? in their actions yeah I, I would i would agree with that because you know it was becoming a, it, it was very unsightly you know uh, i have seen old bikes being dumped into drains you know it, it was already dismantled even before dbkl collected it so you know sometimes we just can't have nice things you know because we have <laughs> yeah. such mentality yeah so what can DBKL do? They they are in charge of making sure the city is clean and, you know, and uh, the way the the vandalized bicycles were scattered across the city, mm-hmm. it, it's also not safe, you see. Yeah, so, we, yeah, they're totally correct in the actions to do that. You know, someone needs to step up and clean up the mess and DBKL is doing that. All right. And speaking of messes, um, next we're going to take a look at the illegally dumped chemical waste at the Pasir Gudang River. That's next on Front Page on Light. With me on front page this morning is Yiswari Palansami, senior correspondent at Malay Mail. 30 people, including 18 students, have been admitted to hospitals in Pasigudang after exposure to hazardous gas from chemical waste that was illegally dumped into the river. Johor Health, Environment and Agriculture Committee Chairman Dr. Sarudin Jamal said there were 21 patients taken to Sultan Ismail Hospital, six at the Pasigudang Health Clinic and another three at Penawar Hospital. Um, he also said that the chemical was dumped by irresponsible parties where a bridge is being constructed. You know, we've had this problem for many, many years. Do you feel, um, Swari, that Malaysia is doing enough to deter illegal dumping? I would say we have only really properly started enacting steps 
to deter illegal dumping. As you may have heard, Chasmin, the uh, Minister Yobiin, she had personally led raids onto illegal waste recycling factories in Selangor. It was a horrible sight. It has been a horrible sight for years. So I think we have began doing something proper, but we need to go hard, which means we really need to probably amend laws to impose stricter penalties so that, you know, even petty litterers would think twice before mm-hmm. dumping rubbish and, and whatnot. I would say we have only started doing pro- taking proper steps, but we need to do more and we need to be more aggressive because for years Malaysia has been an illegal dumping ground for unscrupulous people. Right. Now, what do you think of YB Mazli Malik's response to the crisis with regards to school closures and all that? I, I would say, and I would admit, he was pretty swift. Yeah. Uh, well, he went down there personally to uh, assess the situation. He lent a hand in the, um, you know, when the kids were all moved to the makeshift hospital. And uh, a day after, he declared that all schools in Pasegudang be closed. He announced and he made sure all the schools were closed because things were getting a little unpredictable. Mm-hmm. The number of people who were affected kept increasing. So I think that was the right thing to do. Just shut down the schools, make sure everyone's safe until, you know, sit- the situation can be assessed and necessary repairs can be done. No complaints there. All right. When we come back, we'll take a look at the latest drama with regards to Joe Lowe. Uh, apparently, U.S. investigators are trying to determine whether he had, in fact, funded some of Trump's campaign. That's up next here on Light. On front page this morning, Yiswari Palansami, senior correspondent at Malay Mail. U.S. investigators are trying to determine if businessman Joe Lowe tried to fund the Trump campaign. And this is according to the Wall Street Journal. The probe is over a $100,000 U.S. dollar contribution made via a Larry Davis in 2017 to the Trump campaign for the 2020 presidential election. Now, the U.S. does prohibit foreigners for making contributions directly or otherwise to the the country's politicians. Yuswari, have there been any previous ties between President Trump and Jolo? I would not know it personally, <laughs> but definitely uh, if you if you remember, Jasmine, there was a report previously on Jolo's link to Christie and one of Trump's lawyers, and the allegation was that he gave them money that was allegedly funneled out from 1MDB. So, well, we have to see what are the charges that come from this and who are the players behind this. I definitely do not have uh, direct or personal information as yet, but Mm -hmm. as we all know, this drama is unfolding. It has been unfolding for years now, uh, for a while. So we've we've got to see yeah do, do you feel that it'll have any significant effect on the presidency whether he, or not he does have a hand in this um, so-called donation uh well i think even without joe Lowe, trump is already doing fine to affect his own, <laughs> <laughs> his own image i don't think joe Lowe needs to contribute to any of it uh you know i think trump's doing fine on his own so okay. yeah Right. Next, uh, we'll take a look at the curfew for those under 18. The Deputy Prime Minister said it's not going to be nationwide just yet, maybe just in certain hotspots. That's up next here on Light. On front page this morning is Yiswari Palansami, senior correspondent at Malay Mail. The government will not be imposing a curfew for children below 18 throughout the country for the time being, according to Deputy Prime Minister Datuk Sri Dr. Wan Aziza Wan Ismail. She said that... 
The curfew proposal, which was agreed upon during a cabinet committee meeting to fight the drug menace in January, was deemed as unsuitable. She said it's not suitable because of a few factors. Among them is a lack of parental supervision. Um, you know, some parents have to hold on to jobs. They're not there to monitor their children. And, you know, some kids have nightly activities like tuition classes, sporting activities, religious activities. And there are also children above 15 who are working to support their family. She did use... Uh, Iceland, as an example, seeing that the curfew there was successful because the strategy there uh, provides proper recreational infrastructure for facilities uh, for kids and teenagers. So to this end, her ministry will be working with the Youth and Sports Ministry to look at providing such facilities. Now, Yiswari, it seems like we've done something like this before. And now we've got, you know, a number of unmaintained futsal courts and other facilities going to ruin from a previously well-intentioned program. Program. Are we lacking more a will to follow through on such youth programs? Shazmane, you see, uh, right now, if you look at the situation we have at hand, there are a lot of developments that's going on, and uh, we don't have much playgrounds or, you know, say, community centers or at least functioning community centers to cater to, you know, kids. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what they do after school is, you know, as, as you know, you know, we, we lepa and some of us, we, we abstain from the bad stuff, but others, they just get pulled into it because of a variety of issues, you know, lack of parental guidance. We need to stop developing more shopping malls and we need to start focusing on things that connect as people. We need proper grounds to allow our young ones to to grow and develop, you know, we should not be too focused, uh, we should not be too profit-oriented at the expense of quality, of the quality of our future generation. So, yeah, we have a lot of things to to repair and I really hope the youth and sports minister can look into this because, well, right now he's been promoting e-sports, he's been looking Well, of course, he's doing the other necessary things as well. But my worry is, you know, in our aggression in promoting something in in line with, you know, in line with development and whatnot, are we overlooking the elements of the actual development themselves, Mm -hmm. the youth, the the, the next generation? So I I hope the Youth and Sports Ministry can come up with proper uh, plan as to, you know, we've we've had the education blueprint. We've had all these agendas over the years. So I think we need one for our youth. We need one that works. Now, Iceland and other Nordic countries have been, you know, mentioned as reference points uh, repeatedly. How feasible is this idea of copying Finland and Iceland and other Nordic countries here in Malaysia? Well, you must understand first uh, what Iceland did. It's only part of the solution. So it's not like that was the only thing that they did and everything worked well. Everything just fell into place. There are a lot of other accompanying things that Iceland did as well. So we need to we'll look at things that suit our current situation here, you know, mm-hmm. how, how it works for our youth. Well, I hope Dr. Mazli Mali is listening and uh, YB Said Sadiq is listening as well. Great suggestion, Yiswari. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thank you very much, uh, Yiswari, for joining us this morning on Front Page. And that was Yiswari Palansami, Senior Correspondent at Malay Mail. The podcast for today's Front Page will be up a little bit later on light.my.